All right, so our passage tonight is going to be in Luke chapter 1, continuing on where we left off two weeks ago. Hopefully you guys all had a good Easter. I think most of you were at the same place I was at, so you had a great Easter then, right? (laughs) That might have sounded a little presumptuous because we were teaching there, huh? All right. um, (laughs) Let's pray and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, bless this time we have together. I pray, Lord, that uh, your name would be glorified. Um, that ultimately, Lord, um, you would receive all the glory. It's not about what we have to say um, or how we sing or what we sing or questions that are asked or the attitudes, Lord, but that ultimately it's all about you. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in your name. Amen. All right, so first off, before we get started, if you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles back there, and they are yours to keep if you would like one. Um, They're very, very cool. They're the ESV version, so even if you don't have an ESV version and you want to take one like Frank just did, you're welcome to uh, take one. Um, So also, we have a text message service if you are interested. Um, You can text, the number is 22333, so that's the number you type in. And if you start your text off with that number and then any questions you have, it'll pop up on the screen and then it'll get to us roundabout sort of way. So you'll text 217049 space and then whatever question you have. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So first off, uh, let's go ahead and read our passage. We're starting in verse 18 of chapter 1. Uh, last time we left off, um, Zechariah had had a visit um, by an angel and... Um, We're going to continue that visit. So starting in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people who are waiting for Zechariah... And they were wondering at this delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he was making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days that when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, and the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give, him to, give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is her sixth month with her, for whom was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Alright, so that's the passage we're going to be going over today. Um, and uh, I want to kind of take a couple of topics that we have to introduce first before we get into uh, the actual teaching of what this means. And the first thing I want to talk about is angels. Okay, um, The picture we get in our minds of angels are halos and wings. Uh, hopefully not too many ch- little kids with wings, little cherub type things, uh, precious moments and so on. Um, 
because uh, the Bible is uh, has a lot of angels throughout, and so I want to kind of take some time to talk about that. Gabriel appear, appears here. His name means God is my hero. Cool name. Um, if you get a named angel in the Bible coming to visit you, you know you're either in trouble or it's going to be a good day because there's only two of them that have names that we know of, Michael and, and Gabriel. Uh, so what is an angel? Well, the word angel in the Greek, I'm not going to sit down very long, is angelos. All right? And this is what we call a transliteration of the Greek. So what somebody somewhere along the road did was they took the Greek letters and said, hmm, what English letter, it would probably be Latin actually first, letter corresponds to it. So they said alpha, oh, that's an A sound, let's give it an A. And then they went to new. Oh, that's an N sound. Let's give it an N. They went to gamma, G, and so on. All right. So when the word was translated by our translators, they took the word and said, angelos. It means angel. Well, that doesn't really define the word for us. It actually causes more problems. We see this most specifically with baptism. The Greek word in the Bible for baptism is baptismo. So the translators went, oh, cool, we'll just translate this word and make up a new English word, kind of inventing your own words, which creates all sorts of problems if you know your church history because the word baptism means to immerse. Um, and Christians were killing Christians over whether they sprinkled or whether they dumped them, um, and so on. Um, and so this causes some problems. So what does the word angelos mean? Um, and actually the Hebrew word, which is malak, is uh, also the same exact word, both of which in your Bibles you will normally see them translated as angel. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is it means messenger, one who was sent. Simply, that's the definition. Okay. So when we see here Gabriel, um, an angel Gabriel, it means the messenger Gabriel. Now that doesn't jive with the you know angel with the wings and the, the halo and all of that. So how do we know? What, what exactly... Where do we get this from? How do we? Um, what does the Bible say about this? Okay. Um, now, don't go and go through your Bible and pull a Thomas Jefferson and you know go through there and cut out all the angel passages because they do mean spiritual beings. They just don't mean spiritual beings with halos and wings. All right. However, they are sometimes used for humans as well. Uh, there are some times where John the Baptist sends his messengers. The word there is angelos. Um, in the Old Testament, there are some times where someone says, "I sent a messenger," and it it says the word it says the word messenger, even though it could be also translated as our word angel. So, what exactly are angels? Um, there are four different kinds of spiritual beings listed in the Bible. Uh, there are cherubim, seraphim, angels, and other. Okay, uh, cherubim and seraphim, pretty cool uh, descriptions of them. Uh, they're the only. Angels, actually the other angels as well, the other beings, spiritual beings, all have wings. Angels are never described as having wings or halos um, or playing harps or sitting on clouds. All of that is all added to it. Um, so cherubim and seraphim, uh, the seraphim actually have six wings, and it's their job to basically sit in the presence of God and worship him nonstop. And they are using one wings to fly, one wings to cover their feet, one set of wings to cover their eyes, and they're constantly saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, the heavenly beings, the other group, uh, these are described in Revelation 10, and it's just like crazy description. They've got hundreds and hundreds of eyes and faces and extra body parts and wings and so on. So anyway, the main reason why I wanted to touch on what angels were about was to kind of get you guys to realize that angels 
are not going to appear like they do in pop culture with the wings and the halo and so on. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear that we can actually bump into angels and not even know it. Um, it's very clear in Hebrews. You've all probably heard the Newsboy song, Entertaining Angels. That's as far as I'm going to sing. Um, <laughs> about how we could potentially be entertaining angels. Well, that's because they look like us. They could be us. Um, and we've all heard you know, crazy stories. One of the ones I know all three of us have heard because we've all listened to the same podcast, which really sinks when you're writing your, your, your sermon. <laughs> um, there's jokes that the person uses, and you're like, oh, I'm going to use that one. But we all listen to the same not one, original. so <laughs> not original. These guys won't laugh. Um, but um, Wayne Grudem, who does a uh, systematic theology uh, course at his church in Arizona, I highly recommend it. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe to Latrosis on iTunes, too, which is kind of cool. Um, but, uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, so Wayne Grudem goes through and tells the story of a little boy who's a missionary kid, and he talks about how he keeps seeing men standing outside of his house uh, every day, and his parents are like, open the door. No, there's nobody out there. And you know, he keeps describing them. He's like, I went out and had a conversation with them. There's these guys. They're standing out there. They're big. They're strong. They're you know, intimidating. Um, and he talked about how they left for a while and then a whole bunch more and they were, you know, they seemed to be armed or something like that. And so the kid was describing what the parents thought was um, actual angels. And we've heard stories like that. And I don't know if any of you guys have had stories like that. Uh, if you do, please, you know, blurt it out. We'd love to hear it. Um, but let's talk for some of the things. That, there's a lot of different words and ideas about angels. Um, you know, the, our, our culture says that people can go and die and become angels. Um, it also says that we have guardian angels, and I, I recommend that if you are interested, you can go on our website, and uh, I've written out like a whole section on um, how what, what the Bible says about angels. I'll just touch on a few of the things here. Uh, Satan can pretend to be an angel. Okay, kind of disconcerting. Um, main thing that angels, their main job is to minister to us and to point us to Christ. So if you get an angel, it's like, hey, you know, uh, you should be worshiping Buddha. Um, that's not, that's probably one of the devil's angels, um, as opposed to uh, the one that we should be worshiping. Uh, enormous power, but very limited. Okay, they're not omni-anything. Okay, they can't be everywhere at once. Um, they uh, are told to, we are, uh, John was told in, the, uh, in Revelation that he shouldn't bow down to angels. Okay, so he falls before the angel, and the angel's like, no, 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 stand up. You need to worship God. Um, they care for those who are dying. Okay. Uh, they have personality, they can think, they can choose. Some of them are fallen, uh, but they're all very interested in salvation. It talks about them like uh, you know, having a big party whenever someone comes to the Lord. Um, there's, they seem to have names, at least two of them have names. Uh, there's also a hierarchy, Archangel Michael. We don't really know what that means, but we know it means he's better than all the others. So, um, And then there's, there's some more stuff as well you can look up in there. So uh, does anyone have any questions about angels before we move on, or anything else you want to add? When you were talking about when I think it was you, mm -hmm. there was uh, a case where one of the angels, um, either seraphim or cherubim, mm -hmm. um, the significance, wasn't it serpent? Uh, well, that was actually a bunny trail that my wife and I went on um, one time, was talking about um, the... Uh, the idea that the, one of those translations, honey, was it cherubim or seraphim? Do you remember? Seraphim. Seraphim. One of that that word means something like a serpent, a winged snake. Um, and we just thought, hey, maybe the devil was a seraphim and he got his wings clipped, which is why he's now crawling on his belly. Totally no biblical support for that, other than that it sounded cool. Um, not a good thing to base your whole philosophy on. But um, 
<laughs> I'm actually kind of intrigued now. I think I'm going to have to look that up. But Satan did get told that you're going to crawl in your belly. Yep. And, it was and he the was leading worship in the presence of the Lord, which is where I started from more. Yeah, so there you go. Awesome. So, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> deep thoughts. All right. Any other? Yeah. Do angels sing? Do angels sing? It sin. appears. Do they sin? Yeah. Well, that's a very good question. Um, the Ken and I were just mm-hmm. talking about that actually. The uh, in the Old Testament, um, sometime between Genesis one one and Genesis three, it appears that the angels were given a choice to worship God or not. And at that point, it sounds like Satan decided that he was going to worship himself and a host of angels. A lot of people think about a third of them uh, went. There's some <clears throat> debate on how many that was. But that the angels left. And from that point on, we have no record of angels switching sides. Yeah. Either way. Either repenting or falling again. Um, and so it would, I think it would be safe to say that angels had a chance to sin. And they, some of them did and other ones didn't. Um, and they're not automations. They're not, hey, God said this. They seem to have some personality. Uh, you know, Gabriel lays the smackdown on, on Zachariah like we see here. So I just wondered maybe they had a chance or something. Yeah, they probably, they, I think they, most of the people that I've read say that they had a chance early on. And that was it. Yeah. When you look at their, when you look at their, people talk about them not, we were discussing them not having free, free will as we do. And you know, I think you see that the most in their subservience and their actions. You know, and, and I just, I hypothesized, you know, that that when you look at Satan and the people that followed him, that was a, I mean, it's pretty apparent it was a sin, you know, so, it, but it, it's a sin of, of heart, right? It's in his heart he put himself, he wanted himself, he wanted to make himself above mm-hmm. God. But then even, even in his fallen state, he's still subservient to God, right? He's in complete submission to God the Father, and there's nothing that he, do, he does that isn't, that right. isn't, that isn't uh, seen or, or permissed. Cool. All right, if you still have more questions and you didn't get a chance, you can always text me if you'd like. Um, so let's continue on. One of the other things, so this is the freebie stuff that has nothing to do with our study today, um, <laughs> is uh, I want to talk for a second about narratives. Okay, um, In the Bible, there's all sorts of genres. Um, some of you are going to have to try to remember that from high school. Some of you are learning that in high school right now. Um, but a genre is a type. Okay, we have different types of stories. Okay, the different types of stories. Okay, and the story type that we're doing. When I say story, I don't mean fake story. I mean just a type. Okay, like history is a story and so on. Um, the type that we're studying right now is the Gospels. And the Gospels, while the word means good news, okay, um, they are a form of narrative. And what that means is it's a story where the narrator has a voice and it's telling this, then this, then this, and so on. Okay. Um, they're the closest form in the Bible to we have of like a history, okay? Uh, slightly different type of history than we've seen before. Um, and it's really important when we read a narrative in the Bible that we understand that the, the people that are in the story are not always great examples. Um, they're not always the best examples. And if you take it and look at the narrative and you say, oh, Zechariah got to ask a, an angel, you know, how are you going to do this? How can I be certain? Prove it to me then therefore I get to do that. Okay, Gideon asks for a sign. So that means, well, clearly I can ask for a sign. Okay, if you're fighting the Midianites, you're welcome to have a sign from God. Right? Um, or, you know, I'm supposed to pick up a stone and hit the big guy in the schoolyard in the head. You know, you can, I mean, you see these, and some of them are ridiculous, but others of them are not. Right? Um, there's a whole group of people um, to this day that say, if you're a believer, you have to speak in tongues. Okay? They get that right out of the Bible. They get out of the book of Acts, which is also a narrative. And they say, hey, look, they became a believer. 
They had tongues. Boom. That means when you're a believer, you have to speak in tongues. Well, that creates a problem because Paul elsewhere says, eh, tongues aren't that important. Prophecy is more important. The other gifts are more important. Tongues is like at the very bottom. Okay? So we have to realize when we're reading a narrative, it is a story but that there are things in there that we can get out of it. And that's really important to grasp. So I'm not saying, hey, it's a story, just you know, do what you want with it. But you need to understand that narrative does not equal normative, meaning that this is the only way God does things. Okay. Now when we read Paul, Paul's, it's great. We have Paul, and it's great we have the other epistles, uh, the letters in the New Testament, because they explain a lot of the stuff that's going on. And so when we're reading along, and we're like, man, I really don't get why Jesus did this. Well, hey, guess what? Cross-reference in the Bible. Boom, Paul talked about it, and it makes perfect sense now. Okay, so we can kind of get that fuller picture. So what's the use in reading a narrative if we don't have the, the person standing there explaining it to us? Uh, or three people explaining it to you. All right? Uh, well, there's some things we can get. First of all, God is the same in every single story. Uh, really, honestly, the Gospels are all about Jesus and about God. And so as we're going through that, we're going to be introduced to all sorts of other people, and we can see how they react to God, but that doesn't mean it's the only way that you can interact with God. It means it's one of the ways, and sometimes they're very praiseworthy. So the first thing we know is we know we can learn about God from these narratives. Second thing, we can learn about the characters in the narratives. Okay, We can learn about Zechariah. We can learn about Elizabeth. We can learn about Mary. We can also look at them and say, what attitudes did God reward and what attitudes did God punish? Okay, Zechariah is a great example of this. Okay, Zechariah goes, hey, so you're standing in God's presence and you're sent to me. Your name means God's hero. Can you prove to me that what you're saying is from God? I mean, how can I be 100% sure of this? And so what does Gabriel do? Mute. Okay, puts the mute button on on Zechariah and he's done. He can't talk. Um, so we see that, okay, probably not the best thing to do. If the angels come to you, if the Lord comes to you with something, okay, Lord, I need 100% assurance that this is from you and that you're going to bring good things out of this. All right. So make sure you understand that there are times when the Bible is describing an event and other times when it's saying you have to do this. Okay. Um, so that's just kind of a, I don't know if you guys want to add anything to that. I, I would, uh, I, the simplest way for me to remember that, because it's, it's easy when you're reading the Bible, if you're not, Looking and keep that in mind to, to, to look at what the what what's the commands and what's the story, what's the history, what's in it with what's going to have a principle or just historical value. And you can pretty much just classify it in two kinds of text. There's descriptive text, it's telling you what's happening. It's a description, and there's prescriptive text, which is telling you what to do. And it's very explicit when you read it. It says, "Do this or don't do this." That's a prescriptive text. You read through things like Romans, you know, like. Do not, uh, whatever, submit your, your, your members to, to sin, right? When it's talking, it's just, it's very explicit, like, don't do this. And it's, it's pretty plain. And so when you're reading it elsewhere, and it's talking about people that existed, that did things, you're not looking for, you're not looking for, what is this passage telling me to do? You're looking for, well, really, you're looking for, where's Jesus in this passage? But, yeah. <laughs> but descriptive and prescriptive. And, I, and I, when I'm reading my Bible, I always try and keep those two, I keep like these categories, these mental categories in my mind as I'm, as I'm reading. Is this descriptive or prescriptive? Do I need to take this directly out of the text and apply this to my life? Or do I need to interpret this passage and then and then, and then let you know God's going to minister something, something through that to you? Well, yeah, and you're always searching for the author's intended meaning. Mm-hmm. I had a guy at Bible school tell me, just remember AIM. 
A-I-N, author's intended meaning. Mm-hmm. So with that, I actually had a question. You, you were talking earlier this week about um, finding the cultural um, understanding of what was going on in the context mm-hmm. of the particular passage. Tell me about that for a sec. You mean for this specific one or just in general? For narrative. Like if you're reading a narrative, is there cultural implications? There are, and that's where you can get really um, get really hung up sometimes is that um, you have to take the Bible as a whole. And so sometimes we can take a, a passage and go, well, this is clearly talking this, you know. Um, you have to understand that there are cultures that are being responded to, cultures being redeemed. Um, there's also the mindset of the people. And so like when we look at Luke, Luke is writing to well-educated non-Jewish people. Okay, He's writing to the Gentiles. All right? And so when we look at that, we have to understand the culture that he's addressing, which isn't to say, well, that's their culture and that's their thing and we're in a totally different culture. We can't then have it. But it's just this idea of if you're going to study God's Word, it's a holistic thing. You've got to get into all of it. It can't just be, I'm going to pick out a verse, I'm going to read this verse, and that's the deal. You need to actually study it and get into it, and you'll be able to learn about, about that. And so culture is important because it provides context. Okay. So, can, yeah. can I backtrack us for one second? Back Absolutely. Just for a moment, I meant to ask this question. This might be a bad can of worms to open. <laughs> but have, has anybody here ever had an experience or one that they thought where they where they thought they experienced an angel? Yes. Uh, I was like, yeah. somebody raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. but I'm not, wanna, I'm not sure. Do you, if you want to, if you're not comfortable, tell us about it. You're welcome to. I would love to hear. It was really awesome. It was, uh, I was just under a lot of stress and um, I didn't want to, I, I was driving Kenny's old 67 van and uh, the clutch was very, sensitive about on the hill. You really had to get this or you're going to roll back. Well, I was at a light on a hill and I wasn't really good at it and all these people were up behind my car and I just totally stressed out and felt like I just cried out, Lord, send an angel to help me because there was no way I could take my foot off the clutch and I was stressing out. (laughs) And it was just, just weird because, I don't know, someone came into the car and it became to me that because I cried out for that, the only explanation was it was an angel because they were nowhere to be found afterwards. And and I got over to the other seat somehow and my feet left the pedals. Oh. I don't even know. It was, just, <laughs> it was just awesome. And I went up around the corner, you know, and I wanted to thank the person and they were nowhere around. And it was really awesome. You physically awesome. left your driver's seat? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, you know, an old band just has those like pads that you sit on. <laughs> I don't even know if it's called a seat, but lawn chairs keeps your lawn chair strapped Yeah. It, just, it, nice. just, it all happened like that's incredible. Awesome, perfect and everything. Anybody else? Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Alright. Alright. Okay. I, was, I don't know if I don't know if it's angel, I'm just gonna say it though. So I was like I remember it was like six or seven and um we, my parents were all really freaked out because we kind of ran out of food. We didn't have anything to buy the groceries. And so I can't remember where we were at the time, but we left for some reason. And I was kind of, I was going to have I didn't really know what I was talking about, but I was just kind of thinking, what am I going to do? I had not food. And we walked in the door, and literally, I'm not even kidding you, our table mm-hmm. was filled with groceries. I'm not even kidding you. It was, it was pretty cool. Wow. Very cool. Legit. 
Cool. And you know, I mean, we can all be a form of a, a messenger and a minister to each other, which is, it's interesting, we're called to do that, and God's already got some superpowered people doing it, but yet he still wants us to do it too, so that's kind of, kind of cool on that. Um, all right, well, let's dig into the text now. So we're going to start with uh, verses 18 to 25, um, and you guys feel to, feel like interjecting at any point, please stop me. Um, so Zachariah and Elizabeth, I know this was a couple of weeks ago, we know that they've been praying for a really long time uh, for a kid. Okay. Uh, they were very, very disappointed. There was a lot of uh, shunning and uh, looking down on a woman if she was not able to have, uh, have kids. Um, so um, it's important that as we're studying, we read this, you know, and, and later on when uh, she gets the kid, she says, you've taken away my approach among the people. Is that Christianity is not a religion of just wish fulfillment. Uh, we are never, ever promised that all of our wishes will come true and that all we have to do is pray a certain number of times and God's bound by it. Um, but we are encouraged that God does care for us and that really ultimately he's going to provide a way through. Um, and so we see that in this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah asks, how shall I know this for certain? That's probably the best translation of this. Um, and uh, then he, add, he adds this best part. And you can tell he's been married for a long time. Uh, how he answers, how he says yeah. this. He says, for I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. So even though his wife's not around, in case the angel happens to tell her, he's like, I'm old. And my wife, you know, she's not that old. Right? Even though they're probably about the same age. She might be about three years younger than him on average. That's what it would be. So he's, you know, knows that he could sleep on the couch or probably didn't have a couch. He's probably sleeping on the dirt outside. Um, I had another translation today that said she is stricken with years. <laughs> Maybe because she wasn't around. There you go. So, um, if you live that long, you are stricken. <laughs> That's right. So, how can I know this for certain? Is what Zechariah uh, says, and we we go wait. That doesn't seem like a big deal. That he says, how can I know? Isn't that a? Shouldn't we ask that of the Lord? How can we? How can I know? Um, Zechariah though does not believe that God can do what He promises, and we see this. Um, and, and you had something to say on how? Yeah, actually, let me write it real quick. Absolutely. All right, so. I mean, you might need to help me with this, actually, because I have... I'm going to hold this question. So, the word how... Not sure. How, okay, is the very first word he says, how shall I know this? So, it's actually... It, it specifies in the Greek there two words, and one of them is... Kata? With? Yep, and the other one is... Uh, well... Yeah, That's was, the only Greek word I know. I was it was weird. It, <laughs> it's very strange when I read it. So the other one is this word, tis. It's also sometimes without the S. And uh, so it specifies both of these words that we've put into the word how. So it's two words. And so what I think the, what that means really is they didn't have a way to translate that. It's not expressible in English. So when we say how, it doesn't really it doesn't really do it justice. And I think it's really important to look at this in contrast with what we're going to see Mary. She's going to use the same English word, how, but a different. it's a different word in Greek, and it's, it's very different. So when we look at this, this word kata right here is, you said it's, it's, it's with, it, it implies like, as I read it, it implies like a, like a, it implies like a, I don't even know how you really describe it. It said, and, and when I read the Strong's, it doesn't really know how to describe it either. It said it's like an implication of like a downward, like a handing down. It says it said it implies directional movement, like down, down. And 
and uh, and then this this word is really just like who or by whom, and so this is like you said it's it's with, and it also has this down connotation to it. Down for whom? As I read it, and that's kind of the way that I put it together. Is he saying how will the way that I the way that I put that in there? I could be totally wrong. Is he's saying how when he says how shall I know this? How will I know that God has handed this down to me, this promise? How do I know that this is a message handed from God? Right? And I don't know if you're going to want to talk about his response, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so yeah. I can yeah. leave that to you if you want. But, uh, well, so just think about that as, as John goes on to talk about what Gabriel's going to say. He's, he's questioning. He's kind of like fleeing from the Lord. How do I know that this is from God? How do I? Know? And so it's not just that we pull that because it was really confusing when I first read it. They both almost kind of say really similar things. Mary's going to say, "How can this be?" He's going to say, "How shall I know this?" And 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 the, the difference is in this word, "how." In English, it's the same, but it's going to be two two different things. That's what we read on. So I'll write a. Mary one when we get to that. Cool. <laughs> All right, so then, um, yeah, um, we see in uh, the angel Gabriel's response uh, that Zachariah didn't ask a good question. Um, basically, what he's saying is he's saying, like, like Ken said, is how do I know for certain that this is from God and not from somewhere else? Uh, can I have a little more evidence? Uh, and this is an inc- incorrect way to approach God when His promises. We can <clears throat> demand more proof proudly, or we can humbly say. All right, not your will, but my not my will, but your will be done. Um, knowing that God does not have to explain Himself, and that's the thing that I see throughout this passage is that God expresses Himself uniquely all the time, um, and it's not always going to be the same way. We're not all going to get an angel that's going to jump in and help us at that situation, um, and that's where we kind of run into problems when we look at something and we say, "This is the way it always has to be." So then, Angel Gabriel responds with, hey, you know, I'm in God's presence all the time. Kind of like Angel Gabriel goes, okay, wait, so I am Gabriel. I'm in God's presence all the time. I'm there with him. And you'd want more. Um, And so the angel says, be quiet for a while and watch God work. So can you imagine you're a priest or someone that does a regular rotation and you get to encounter an angel? There's not a lot of people that get that, okay? And not even get to encounter the, the named angels, Gabriel or Michael. Um, and so he gets to encounter the, the named angel, and then he has to go outside and try to, you know, you know, wings or whatever, right? And try to explain it in a way that is, hey, I just was in the presence of a being that's been in the presence of God, and I can't wait to tell you all, but he's had that taken away. Can I um, sure. There? And then, Ken, if you want to interject on the how is more, you're welcome to. That's actually something I was looking at. Um, in this passage, Luke 1, I feel like I've read it a hundred thousand times. Um, in, in every time that I read it, I notice that people are only blessed or people only have value or people only get um, something that's worthwhile to share with others as insofar as they have a closeness, a proximity to God that's very, you know, they're tight with him. And so whenever um, someone tries to validate themselves or, when you know, Zacharias and nobody until, boom, Holy Spirit comes, you know, until the, ga- the angel Gabriel comes in and has a message from God. And that's, you know, that's like two parties out. That's like, you know, that's I've heard from someone who heard from God, like John just said. But it still puts him, putting him a cut above like everybody else. 
So it's not like Zachariah is somebody special, but as soon as he heard from someone who heard from God, he's special. And then Gabriel, when he talks about his credentials, what are your credentials? Well, I know God. Like, I'm in his presence, so I'm really close with God. And so what the Lord kind of put on my heart was it, we're not valuable people like um, John's going to talk about, you know, us being our God blessing the lowly. Um, you know, we might be lowly, but our proximity and nearness, our intimacy with God makes us, you know, that adds value to us. It's not that we're valuable. It's that we get it from him. And later on, Jesus is going to say, you know, he's going to give this parable and talk about how God's going to divide or he's going to divide the sheeps and the goats. And, you know, the goats are known for they didn't help God and the sheep. They didn't know God, and it's it's all about knowing Him. Mm-hmm. And then another place, you know, He's going to say, um, "And you never, I never knew you." You know, in the, in the end times when He's dividing, who knows Him and who doesn't? He's going to say, "Well, we did all these things," but He's like, "But I never knew you." So it's all this knowing. Anyways, I just thought that was cool. The proximity to God adds that um, value to us, not what we can do, Master Rob. Well, Carry on. Okay. I'm going to hold this so it doesn't water it too much. So the other how, that's from Mary, just so it can be up here as we do. <clears throat> this word is, how do you pronounce that? Pus. Pus. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. And it literally, it just, I mean, it's just a broken down, it's a, it's a logistical question is, is what it is. It's a logistical question. It just means like, by it means like by what means what right there. In what way? It just means in what way. Uh, <laughs> way. And it's just a, it's it's a question. So here you have a question of confirmation, right? Of, of that it's legit. He's 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 asking is this a legit message? And she's saying I, I, I believe it's a legit message. How's he going to do this? It's, it's purely logistical. Yeah. And, and he answers them respectively. And when you look at Gabriel's answer, it's uh, I always want to put like a bracketed like face palm right there. <laughs> but uh, but but I would probably you know like you said like I would probably do the same thing. Yeah. Are you sure? Like who are you? But he answers him plainly. He doesn't. It's not. It's not necessarily just like this is it. He just says the, the answer. He's not deferring his question. The answer to the question is, "What's your sign? You want a sign? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord continually. Mm-hmm. Sign. Mm-hmm. So li- listen, you know. And 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 she just takes it. Just takes it for exactly what he is. So just as he goes to that, that's what that is. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, you know, one of the, um, you know, and it, it's funny because we just were talking about angels, and I said, you know, the, that the devil could masquerade as an angel of light, and so there's this kind of maybe feeling like, well, isn't Zachariah asking a good question? How do I know this is not from the devil? Um, the thing about it is, is that if you look at what um, Gabriel says to him, your your prayers have been answered. Okay, who's that glorified? God, not Zachariah's prayer life, not not Elizabeth's prayer life. He says, your prayers have been answered. God has heard you. You're going to have a son miraculously. That's the sign. That's it right there. All of that is about God being glorified. It's not about, oh, cool, now I get to say, you know. And so there's this enforced humility. And then we see it even more so um, in that there's the blessing. I love that Mark Driscoll says that Elizabeth was doubly blessed mm-hmm. with a baby and with a husband who could talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
Um, so anyway, the first thing we see from Luke is that God will bring about his promises. Um, they will happen. When he promises them, they will happen. So that's kind of our first little uh, theme, and we'll see this throughout. Because basically, remember, Luke is trying to say, all this stuff that happened really did happen, and God promised it beforehand. All right, so now John and um, Zechariah. God says, you're going to name your kid John. Okay. Uh, whenever God tells somebody what the name of their kid's going to be, it's an important thing. There's only four other times this happens in the Bible. Ishmael. Isaac, eh, you might think those are maybe a little important uh, names. You know, Ishmael, a whole generation of people have come out of him. Same with Isaac. Uh, Josiah, one of, the, um, one of the kings of Israel. And then, of course, Jesus and John. So uh, we see other than John, there's four times, and they're all very important people. Um, so what I see here is that, you know, God is priming the people for Jesus' coming. John's coming to get them, you know, all excited about what's going on. Uh, every single detail of Jesus' life is lining up perfectly. And I, I just love it when someone says, well, you know, Jesus wasn't the Messiah. Um, you know, it just was a coincidence that all this happened. And you look at all the things, the fact that somebody was born before him, the fact that his parents chose where he was going to be born and that they fled to Egypt. It's not like they went, hey, little Jesus, tell us where we should flee to now that Herod's coming to kill us. Um, and all these things that were foretold um, in the Old Testament. And so, you know, his hometown, his family lineage, you know, uh, it's not like they said, oh man, darn, I'm not related to David, we can't have the Messiah. You know, it was all lined up perfectly. Um, and God did all of this really to, to show. And there were no surprises when it came to John the Baptist being born, where he was and when he was. Um, and so what we learned through this is we learned that even though as we walk through life and things are uh, disappointing at times. A lot of times, that's because God has something else in mind, um, and His way is always better than ours. And I'm not saying, well, I prayed for the Maserati; He's going to give me an Aston Martin. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that, like with Elizabeth and Zachariah, they were praying for a child, um, and you know, they were deeply disappointed that they didn't have one. Um, and so there's this resonance there, and that's one of the cool things about these narratives in the Bible is that. You know, yeah, it would be really cool if God just gave us a list of things to believe, right? Uh, but in, He gives us people that have lived it, and so it's this really cool give and take. So I'm not saying we should just throw out all the people in the Bible and go, eh, they're just people and they messed up. But I'm saying we can actually see this. And with uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, you know, we can feel their pain. Maybe we've never had that. You know, we can't have a kid, but maybe we have the, you know, there's something else in our life that we're really desiring for. Um, because they were going to say something. <laughs> Does anybody have anything to say about that? Did anybody read this text before you came here tonight? Good, good. Did anybody get the notes before you came here tonight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. We want you guys we want you guys to get a chance to talk and yeah. and if you've ever been to a, a a Bible study, you know, like even like pretty much like a home study, that's kind of the atmosphere that we're driving at is we want to be able to engage in conversation and question even controversial topics. <coughs> you can bring up whatever you want. If you want to bring up that unanswerable, circular, always debated, whatever about like some of the things we're talking about. There's you know you get into angels and stuff, and there's things that you know we don't have a lot of answers for, but we want to be able to talk about those things and how they pertain to the Bible. So, oh, but not not. Not kidding. Elders can ask questions. Will you have, um, like, maybe on your website, uh, what passage you're going to be studying? Yep, we do. Week? Do you have that already? We post it. Yeah, we post it every okay. week. Yeah. There's a on the Latrosis thing. 
drop down on Cornerstone and it says current study and it has the passage pasted there and then a link to the note to download whoever's notes are there for that week and then we also posted I posted pretty vigorously on Facebook elders can't ask questions because they always ask leading questions they only answer yeah. <laughs> that was a good question yeah. I do have a question about angels um, maybe this will be a stupid question I guess yeah. what I want to know is like, they, like with Janice's experience, do they? Does that always happen? Like, like they, uh, <laughs> like in person? Can you have an angel experience if it's like in a dream? Does it have to be well, yeah, a face-to-face kind of thing? Well, Joseph's going to see an angel in that dream. That's what I was wondering, because I see that a lot in yeah. the Bible, mm-hmm. and for me, in my life, I think that that's how I've had that experience. Oh, cool. But I've never really been able to decipher if that was it or if I knew it was more Is than a, story a dream, you share? but I didn't know if it was the Lord or if it was... And that's kind of what I wondered if that if that happens or not. Well, remember the barometer, the measuring stick for whether it is is what it points to, who it points to. Yeah. And so throughout the Bible, it talks about angels. I mean, it even talks about angels taking. And I encourage you if you want to get my notes online. There's I listed yeah, all the verses and so on. Um, and I can even give you more. Um, it talks about angels taking them to taking a person to heaven and it talks about wow. angels separating out the bad fish and the good fish which I got from Kyle's uh, story book the story Bible. Story, that's a great Bible um, it's a picture Bible for you Kyle you get that it's even amazing. if you don't have kids picture and, John. it's awesome and so I was reading it today and I was like ooh I'm including that and so um, when Jesus tells the parable he says there's good fish and bad fish and he says the angels are going to come and separate the good and the bad and then that's when the judgment happens at the end of time so there's all sorts of cool stuff like that but it's always ministering to you and encouraging you to focus on the Lord. So anytime you have anything, it could be just simply, you know, and sometimes maybe it's the Holy Spirit and maybe we could say angel. Either way, it's pointing to God and God gets the glory. So maybe the hair is down on the back of your neck and you just feel like falling down and praying. Holy Spirit, angel, could be either one. Neither of them, you know, are doing anything but pointing us to the Lord. Uh, But if we have something, you know, like with Dr. Phil, when he's talking about, oh, go reach out to your angel, um, you know, because your angel has all your answers. No, the angel's going to say, I don't have the answer, point to God. And so that, your dreams, that's the measure. Yeah, and that actually happened before I was a believer, and it was extremely intense. But I always questioned whether or not that's what it was, Mm -hmm. because I had always thought that it was more of an in-person experience. I encourage you to check out people who are, are blogging about their experiences in the mission field. I mean, we're in a mission field right here, but yeah, I've heard countless that. stories of, because mm-hmm. a lot of times the supernatural gets glossed over here because we always have an excuse or an answer for everything. Right. Um, but you look at some of those stories like the kid who, like I told you about earlier about Grudem, um, there are those out there. What are you going to say? I was going to say two things is that we so hey, we, we know that God works through dreams, right? We see right. that in, in Scripture a lot, actually. Right. So Good Friday, we just watched. We see Pilate's wife. Right. Uh, she has a dream, you know, and of the land. And, and so we know that God works that way. And then, and then the character of angels in their physicality is that they're, they're not corporeal beings, right? They're not material beings unless they, but they can sometimes manifest or present right. as as such, right? So in right. your case, you have a physical person that's yeah. there, but, so I I mean, I don't know that they're in dreams, but I can't see any reason why they can't be mm-hmm. saying, right? Well, I, we'll see I know that we'll see you. Okay. Sorry, Sarah. Alright, Sarah, you got next. Go. Okay, well, this isn't, isn't about angels, but um, I just thought it was really interesting in verse 20 how um, 
the angel says that it will come at an appointed time, and it's made me think how we just want things to happen right away, mm -hmm. but then it's like that's already been decided when mm -hmm. it will happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it also says, too, I mean, you think about it, oh, I get a baby, but then they have to raise the baby, they have to have the delivery. I mean, so there's a lot of things attached to that. So it wasn't just like all roses, and we like to think that a lot of times, you know, like Lazarus raises from the dead, and we're like, yay, Lazarus is raised from the dead. He gets to die again. So, you know, there's there's still pain and there's still anguish and things in the stories. Um, but yeah, absolutely, there's a set time for it. And that was back to my picture that was up there. My lovely assistant just stepped out. Um, is this idea that a lot of times we see things as a dead end. Oh, God's not letting me go through this door. And many times that dead end is there because he's got something better, something different. Um, and so uh, I have this visual and I was actually working in my, my commentary and I'm, I'm, I'm reading on, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And so I actually, for the first time in my life, drew a picture into a book of it. And it was just this idea of we're trying to, nobody unfortunately had an, an illustration of it, but we try to go through this little teeny mouse hole. I'm like, God, I want that thing so bad. And I can't wait to get through this little teeny door. And God's going, uh, hello, I have this door and I wanted like King Kong's door, you know, from the old King Kong movie, you know, and that's really what we have, you know, God wants to give us so much more and what's behind the door is him, you know, and that's the best part of it all is that we get to have that relationship uh, with him in a way that's just beyond understanding. The bummer for Zachariah there is that he doesn't know when it's going to be fulfilled, yeah. but he does know that he's going to be mute until it is. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years, five years, what's it going to be? So are we prepared? You know, Zachariah and Elizabeth were prepared for God. Um, you know, are we prepared for that? You know, um, you understand that when God does give us what we first desire, that many times it means he has something better. You know, if, we, if he closes that one door, um, he then you know, opens up something else. And so I found a really cool quote, and I wanted to read it to you guys. And it actually is very apt for you guys, considering I think most of you um, uh, are believers in here. And so um, can I get someone to go back and just push the forward arrow like three times? Because I want you guys to read it along with Isaac's got it, or Ken's got it. Go for it, Ken. Uh, all right. So uh, this is a quote from Daryl Bach. Go to the next one. There's three slides, so we're going to start with this one. Um, so and I, just, I texted these guys this, and I, I know I probably ruined up with too many texts, but... Sometimes underestimating God is as dangerous as rebelling against Him. Our sin may not be a matter of doing overt wrong, but of being hesitant to pursue righteousness and to trust fully the Lord. Once God speaks, we should respond. People often pursue relationships or actions that they know are wrong, often with a sense of having been a victim, as if that justifies their turning away from God. God didn't give me the mouse hole. I'm mad. I'm going to do whatever I want, right? But we can also say the same thing using more subtlety, with a type of lukewarmness that says, I'm happy where I am spiritually, so I will not pursue God as I did in former days. Such a cruise control approach risks a slow spiritual decline. One senses that Zechariah needed a fresh lesson of faith to avoid such a slow motion spiritual fail or fall. Um, so I get this picture in my mind of just this, you know, many times we're just settling for mediocre. You know, we have those mountaintop experiences, and then we drift down into mediocre, and I'm okay with where I'm at. And really what, you know, we're called to is we're called to having that on-fire relationship with the Lord, and it's going to continue to grow and to grow and to grow. Um, yeah, so I, that's that's kind of what I had for that section. Um, you guys have anything you want to add? 
questions? Versus where are we finally now? Now we're going to start in 26. Um, real quick. Sure. It's kind of off base. Verse 25 says, Thus the Lord has dug for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Um, actually, even if you even if you look at 24, it says, After these days his wife, Elizabeth, conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying. So she's hiding herself, and then she's pondering what the Lord has done for her. She is um, reminded that he looks on her, and um, that he takes her reproach away, those three things. And I really like that because, um, you know, this is way off base. But she's meditating on all these things that God's doing for her um, through the message that Gabriel sent to Zechariah. Um, go ahead, Siri. What's up? Oh, I just have a question. Yes. Um, since he was mute, did she not know that she was going to have a baby, or did she communicate that? That's a good question. Well, he said he communicated, and it communicated by making signs to them, and I think one of the other versions said hand signs. Mm-hmm. And so, remember, he could write too. Yeah. So he's writing on the ground, you know, maybe doing whatever, right? <laughs> um, so he's 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 playing, he's doing pantomime, right? You know, he's uh, he's showing them what it is. Um, so my guess is he, he told her. I think okay. he told her. Well, and even like being married for two years, I think I could non-verbally communicate to Lindsay, like, you're going to be pregnant. Like, you just get that when you're married. That's well, a good later, question. Yeah. Later it says, too, that he told them that it was going to be called, or she knew that he was going to be called John. Yeah. Boom. So he must have been able to... As soon as he said the name John, he got his speak, he got the bill to speak back. So Lindsay oh. Jane in the Bible answer will not Yes. What will we call that when she's meditating upon what God did for her? Mm, probably you're gonna give it to me. <laughs> Anybody? What, what was the question? Anybody meditated upon what God's done for you? It's definitely one way to worship. I'm thinking Yeah, and that's and that's something that encouraged me. I don't have like I didn't have a ton of info on this section, but I have a lot of application place in my own lock. It was just like, man, even today, I'm just sad because my talk died. But um, and Frank's like, oh, he's cold in the grave. He's a heartless pastor. He's a mean pastor. I know that feels like He didn't say that. He said that to dad. But anyways, the, the funny, it was just like, Lindsay was all day like, God died for you and he rose from, dead, from the dead and he's going to renew all things. Does that not matter to you? And I, I was just reminded, even as I was rereading it today, I was like, man, I'm depressed because this dog died. But it's like God is is showing here through Elizabeth that we're to meditate on the good things that he has for us. And I just felt convicted about that. I'm really encouraged because I know there's probably somebody else in here who's feeling sad today. It's like, man, think about what God has done for you, that he looks upon you, and that he can um, remove your reproach. Uh, Somebody say that word. Reproach. Reproach. Yeah. Disgrace. All right, go ahead. I just wonder, uh, I question, but um, why, why was she, um, what was it, she, not in hiding, but like, why did she keep it away from people? Yeah, why? I don't know. Well, what I got was, uh, and I heard a couple different things on this. Um, the main one that I heard was um, 
she had had all these people making looking down on her. So she's an right. older lady. Okay, right. I can say it. I'm not married to her. Uh, she's an older <laughs> lady, and so she's it doesn't say she's past the age when she can have a baby, but she's approaching it. Right. And so she's constantly being ridiculed throughout. And so the idea was was that she had been ridiculed, and she wanted to kind of just store up for herself. And just, you know, maybe it could have been because she'd had other miscarriages or something like that. Okay. It could be that she just didn't want to give them the opportunity to, you know, say, oh, did you have it with someone else or something like that. And so there's, it's really the Bible's silent on it. And so there's some interesting kind of ideas okay. on it. Uh, but most people thought it was more that she was just rejoicing and worshiping on that because she could have easily gone in and gone, see, look at this. Right. And so there's that humility there. I kept reading you know? further. Yeah. Well, I, I like to think... Because I couldn't figure out why, mm-hmm. like, what was the stigma, like, why... Mm-hmm. She also, why I, she as, as I read it, like, I didn't read any commentaries on that or anything, but as I, as, I, as I read it, I'm thinking, why would she hire herself? But it says she hid herself saying mm-hmm. what she says, right? She's meant to email and I, I mean, it almost it almost appears to me that there's like uh, she acknowledges the incredible blessing that's been placed yeah. upon yeah. her, and she's holding it. She's just holding it between her and God yeah. for a while. She's just mean, hanging out like yeah. with with what God with what God did. Right, and I just skipped hiding or not. I know I thought about that too, but it was like I I thought Elizabeth and Mary were just chosen in this interesting way like like just how Nathan and Bud were kind of tied together right. and like you got the woman with the discharge and then um, the, the, the complete opposite guy Jarius but um, and his daughter right yeah but the um, it's like the Lord will tie these people together and when Mary um, is thinking about Jesus and him being born and then when he's a child of 12 and he's ministering to these um, teachers of the law and asking these profound questions. She's storing up all these things in her heart. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting parallel. Yeah. That works. Well, if you think about it, uh, if she's being actively ridiculed for not having being barren, <clears throat> uh, you got to know by about six months, there, there's no hiding. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. think if, if, if the angel's like, hey, you're going to have a son, and she goes, I know I'm pregnant. And she goes out and says, "Hey guys, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant." And they're like, "Yeah, right." Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's if, she's, if she's being actively re- uh, ridiculed for it, she's. I mean, it, it seems to me that she's more holding back uh, until until it's uh, unrefutable. Right. <laughs> so when she says, "The Lord gave me this. This is what's up." It's obvious. There's right. no. There's no hiding it. And mm-hmm. and. You know, even if if she, you know, I mean, it's possible if she came forward right at the time, people she could be ridiculed until she was shown. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I think it was a fear risk. of yeah. of being uh, subjected to that. I mean, that's yeah. the only thing. It doesn't say like the first five months of the pregnancy either. Like it could have. Well, later on when she well, goes and meets with, with yeah. Mary, well, Mary says it's at six months. So we kind of assume it is, but that... I'll just make sure yeah. you're on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your paycheck's on the way up. So, you know, one of the things, too, to remember is that if you think about Elizabeth and Zachariah's joy... Um, how much greater is that joy going to be that they didn't have a baby for such a long time? Mm-hmm. And you think about that period of time that they were trying to have baby. You know, they, they kept hoping, is this going to be the month? Is this going to be the month? And they waited for years. 
Okay? Because they would have gotten married probably when she was 14, 15, 16. He would have gotten married 17, 18. So the amount of time they have to have babies, they're probably in their late 30s um, or early 40s. And you imagine decades of, okay, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And you think about in that moment, they could have at any point walked away. And then it makes you wonder, would the Lord then have blessed them with John? Um, you know, so how many times is it, you know, we look at it and say, well, I'm going to persevere for just this long, but no longer. And the Lord might be just waiting on the other side of that next day, that next hour, that next minute. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to continue. Lord, you're great. Lord, you're, you know, and we see with, they're not perfect. Zechariah and Elizabeth are not perfect. They are absolutely sinners. But in this, they're continually walking. And Zechariah's prayer had been heard. He'd been offering that prayer up over and over again, and even offers it up this time, way down the road, when they're probably looking past the fact that she could have the baby. Um, so let's move on to Mary now. Um, in the sixth month, what's the sixth month? That's the sixth month of Elizabeth being pregnant. The angel goes to Mary. Now, Mary is betrothed to Joseph. That means that she's basically married. They've not had... Uh, relations yet. They're not living together, but they're betrothed. It requires that if uh, at any point during this that they call it off, they actually have to have a certificate of divorce. So it's like an engagement, but it's a full-on you've been engaged, and there's a whole bunch of stuff with that. Um, so the, uh, the angel appears, um, and right off the bat says, I found favor with God. You found favor with God. Um, and it's important in spite of how the Catholic Church and a lot of other people have looked at Mary and this kind of cult of Mary um, that that word favor means grace, and it's not Mary's grace; it's God's grace. Grace means getting something that you don't deserve, um, and so throughout, and it's translated favor twice, but it should be you know God's found grace on you. God's per- putting grace on you. Um, so Mary was a sinner. Mary was fallen, just like all the rest. But for some reason, this woman who lives in a podunk part of the country, a little teeny town, probably is illiterate, probably is only thing she knows about God is what she's heard when she's gone to, uh, to uh, teaching times uh, at the synagogue, and God has chosen her. Not because she's great, but because he's great. Um, and so, you know, this cult of Mary, this idea like that, that some people have said that she's a perpetual virgin, some that she's without sin, that her mom was a virgin forever, all of these things are very, very incorrect. Um, and so we as evangelicals a lot of times like to just kind of, oh yeah, Mary, she's just like everybody else, right? Um, and the Catholics kind of go, Mary, she's above everybody else. In fact, we're going to pray to her to talk to her son um, to get you know the things we want. Um, but in actuality, she's right in the middle. Okay, she is a very good example. Uh, her and Joseph. Joseph is an incredible example as well for the things that that happen with with her um, because Mary and Joseph get married while Jesus is when Jesus before Jesus gets born. And he's born of a virgin. How is it that he's born of a virgin? That means when they got married, they did not have sex until after Jesus was born. So there's that whole thing as well. Joseph is a man of God as well. He follows God's command, even though, you know, oh, my, my wedding has been ruined. My first few months of marriage have been ruined. You know, Mary didn't plan on having a baby bump when she was trying on her wedding dresses. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things involved in that. Um, that we see both of them are willing to put their dreams aside to honor God. And then God gives them more than they could ever imagine. Um, so I hope I'm not stealing too much from you guys for next week and the week after. Uh, God does not always choose the best and the brightest. Uh, she's honored by God not because of her merit, but because God's showing off, showing his power. Um, he uses the things of this world to basically say, you know, um, I'm more powerful than your strengths and I'm more powerful than your weaknesses. So Mary, we saw a little bit with what Kent said. How can I, how can this be since I am a virgin? 
Uh, Mary is trusting. We can see this in Gabriel's response. I love that Kent brought out the, the words because I was going to have to convince you guys that I understood it from the responses and the commentators. I'm glad that the Greek actually helps too. Um, but yeah, so the uh, her response is, you know, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How's this miracle going to work? It's not, how can I be for certain that this is going to happen? It's just, how? Tell me the method this is going to go. And so Gabriel's like, glad you asked. Let me tell you. And he lays it out. Um, and then he talks about how Jesus will be great. Um, uh, and he'd be called Son of the Most High, the Son of God. Luke will be talking about those two those two ways of uh, saying that what, what, what Jesus is doing. Um, so God works in strange ways, and I think the word that kept popping in my mind is unique. Jesus is absolutely unique. His story is unique. It's not what you would expect. You know, Jesus is not born to a woman who's had all the parenting classes into a palace where he's going to have the best teachers in the most perfect place with the best communication system and so on. He's born to a poor woman living in the middle of nowhere on a, in a city that people avoid. The only reason you stop there is if you, you know, you're running out of gas and you need to use the bathroom and you need to get a snack and a corn dog and move on, right? Um, but it's still, you know, it's unique. Jesus is in the place that he needs to be to fulfill all the prophecies. Um, and it's really there to show God's uh, confounding of the wise. So I, I think that the first thing I see with this is that this is you know, God showing his character um, in that even though he's God and he is he's God, um, Jesus is still born in a humble way. He's still born in a way that makes it, you know, it's still showing that God is great, but it's at the same time it's not what we would expect. Um, you know, there's no... There's there's greatness in, in the, the kingdom of God is not from degrees, it's not from degrees earned, it's not from money, it's not from who you know, it's not from any of that, it's from your heart. Um, and it's a function of where your heart is. And Mary, we see that, and we see it throughout Scripture. Anytime we see someone that's a saint, it is, may it be according to your will, not mine. And that's the ultimate picture that we get from Mary. And we get that throughout. Jesus does that. God does that as well. Is that, you know, and we saw that in the garden last week where it's like, okay, Lord, I'll let you pour out all the sins on me if there's no other way. And so we see that that character there. Um, God is also true to his word. God is faithful. Uh, we should definitely imitate this. A lot of times we say, oh, it's just half true or it's just a little lie. And, you know, God is true to his word. He says, I'm going to do it. And he did it. So that's another thing we can see as well. And then the last thing that I saw in the application here, and then you guys, if you have anything you want to add to it, um, is that God does not call us to something that we're not prepared to do. Okay, And I don't mean prepared as in like, okay, I've studied my Bible verses, I've got all my stuff memorized, I'm ready to go, God, come on. Okay, um, What God does is God comes upon us and says, you're going to go do this. And then you go, okay, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but I'll go ahead and do it. And really, what that tells me is that it's all about God equipping us to do the things that God calls us to do. It's a win-win, right? I mean, God says, go do this thing. And oh, by the way, I'm going to let you do it. I'm going to help you do it. It's going to be me that's doing it. And all I require is that you do it with all your strength and give me all the glory. And so there's this picture that we see with Mary. Mary goes, okay, I don't know how this is going to work, but God, you're going to have to provide a way. And he does. And we see that throughout. I've seen that in my life. I've seen these guys have seen it in their lives. God loses the glory he deserves um, when we try to do it all on our own strength. Okay, God, I'll go right to the mission field. I'll tell my friend about Christ. I'll witness to a coworker. I'll do this. But first, I need to make sure I memorize the Roman road. I need to memorize this. I need to go to seminary first. You know, uh, First, let me go do this thing. 
Um, and Jesus is saying, you don't need any of that. You need me. Now, if God calls you to do those things, great, go do those things. But you need me, and that's the answer. Um, so I'm, I'm done. I don't know if you guys have anything else you wanted to add to any of that. Well, this sort of some Bible verses on top of what you talked about do with the uh, wisdom. Um, <clears throat> Isaiah 29, um, verse 14 says, And I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. And Isaiah's, what is that? Was it 671 years before mm-hmm. Jesus? Yeah. So that's almost like prophecy. Is that a prophecy concerning yeah. Jesus? Mm-hmm. So he's saying, like, this is going to happen. I'm going to thwart wisdom. I thought that was cool. Because um, in in the Roman Empire, it wasn't the big thing, like that, Gre- that Grecian philosophy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, they have the... Uh, well, even some of them worshipped wisdom. Wisdom was uh, considered a goddess that they would worship as well. And so they would worship Sophia, the wisdom, the idea of worshipping wisdom. And so there were some that actually bowed down to wisdom as well as exactly. we're talking about the Greeks. Yeah, I didn't know about Sophia, but that's... And that's... that's like was it Aristotle mm-hmm. around? Well, this Jesus is before. Day? Aristotle's before, but yeah. Yeah, he like before their, their Jesus. philosophy. Was so there. he had set up a lot of precedent or a lot of uh, their um, tenets, mm-hmm. whatever. And so now God's coming in, and Jesus. It's almost like God's laughing, like you know what? I'm gonna come in right when everyone worships wisdom and make something that seems foolish mm-hmm. be the method, but you know, by which I'm gonna save the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was cool, and then. I actually ripped that from 1 Corinthians, and I'll throw a couple more verses. Um, Paul's talking about this-ish, um, but he's talking about Jesus and how Jesus is the way and how um, the power of God is seen through foolishness. And it's worth the read. It says, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? So he's calling out Jews who think they're wise. Where is the debater of this age? Greeks who are wise. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. I know personally, you know, I want to know theology and I want to know this stuff. And so I've been feeling, um, you know, a sense of um, inability to communicate the gospel to people lately. And um, we were talking about this and you guys kind of freaked me on a little bit on uh, Wednesday because I've been feeling a barrier, like there was. I felt it. There was heat. Right. You were packing heat. <laughs> I was feeling it. But uh, maybe it was just the Holy Spirit just speaking to my ear even more, but um, emphasizing what you're talking about. But it doesn't. It's not. Or maybe it was Bart. But we don't have to have. <laughs> Where are you, Bart? Bart's good for a rebuke. You need a rebuke. But I'm just saying, like. I, I a lot of times like you were saying Roman Road. I was thinking about that and everything. I thought, man, I, I don't feel like these guys are getting the gospel um, when I'm trying to communicate it at work because I don't know enough or you know I'm not bold enough or whatever. But the Holy Spirit says, no, I gave you foolishness, the foolishness of the cross, a bleeding naked man who is God. Like try that on for size, <laughs> and it's really it's the power of God. We don't need uh, you know wisdom stuff, and I, I know that's something that. We'll bless you guys just to think about. This is blessed me this week. Awesome. All right, Kent, what do you got for us? Okay, everybody saw this word in there in 35? Okay. Uh, well, we didn't cover a lot of the teaching, but we read it in the text. I just It's something that bugs me that I want to bring out um, as a study, better study method. Okay, so she says, how can this be for I'm a virgin? Okay, the angel proceeds to answer and say, 
the Holy... You read through that bunch, right? You read the 37... Okay. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This word, therefore, is important. It's important. Okay? There's something that I that I just am really super annoyed by that a ton of preachers use. Sorry if you've used this, Frank. If you listen to preachers on the radio or whatever, they, they use this thing and they see this word therefore and they have this dumb line and they say, whatever you see a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. And oh. I, think, no I just think it's... That. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Let me show you why. Let me show you why. We can, we can debate this if you want, okay? I'm not... This, I'm not the guy... This is not, this is not playing. I'm not the guy principle, but I think, it, I think it intellectually reduces this word. To just say, what's it there for, okay? You guys... Yeah, everyone's old. You guys go to yeah, in high school... Who can tell me what this is? Triangle. Points. <laughs> dots. Therefore. 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 Okay? Crap. What is what would you use? This, I'm telling you, these three dots, it means therefore. Where would you where, would you, where do you use this? Let's say math. You, in math you've seen in math and Pythagorean philosophy, theory. if you've ever watched <laughs> philosophical debates. Mm-hmm. Pythagorean theory. Right. Okay? You have an equation and you want to find out if it's true <coughs> all the time? If you're building a math equation, use this thing to end at the end to prove your point. This equation I made right. works every time. It's called a proof. Okay, a proof is you have you have these points. You say this is true, this is true. I'm applying it here. It works every time. Therefore, it's called a syllogism. Okay. Yeah. This is true. I'm not going to write that, though. Okay? <laughs> I prefer it. I prefer it this way. Okay? I think, why is therefore? Why is it therefore? I, I just I just think it's dumb. I, I look at it, and it's a proof. Okay? <laughs> so, because I just think it makes it too... It's too general for me. What's it there for? But what is it telling us? Why is he saying... Therefore, he's making points that are leading to a true, to a truth. Okay, so we want to find out what those are. So, the therefore, what does he say first? What's his it? We'll start at the end. Okay, so then you're gonna find out what it's there. Right. We'll Fine. Find out. <laughs> <laughs> he says, therefore, the child to be born will be holy. Will be called holy, the son of God. Okay. So he's stating the truth that he's going to end up at is that this child, Mary, that you're going to have is going to be called holy. He's going to be the son of God. How do I know? How is this true? How is he proving this? Because he is. It's a proof. He says, therefore, that's a proof. Okay? So he's going to make some claims that are leading to that. So we already know that point one is that that's unspoken in this part is that she is a virgin. Can't have... Babies, typically, if you're a virgin. It's <laughs> <laughs> not normal. But it has that. See? See? Narrative is not normative, right? There you go. <laughs> okay. Two. That one's, not, that one's in slide. Unspoken. Two. Okay. What does he say? He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay. That's the next thing. He's telling her what's going to happen. Three, 
he says, the power of, forgive my handwriting, the most high, that's God, in case you didn't know, <laughs> will, will overshadow you. Okay? She's a virgin. That's implied. He tells her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High, that's one, two, or three, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's It's just like an enveloping... It's kind of, it's kind of a cool thing, like the presence of God thing, because we, we read about the same the same visual typology like in the tabernacle, you know, and the presence of God dwells in this in this enveloping cloud, you know. And that's the, the, the description of this word here. It's like a... It's just an envelopment. It's a clap. <clears throat> okay, so then, because of these three things, he's saying, I've just made these three points. Therefore, okay? Therefore, Jesus is... I'm just going to say God. But it's going to say he's going to be holy. He's the Son of God because he was not born as typical unto sinful people. He is born by the Holy Spirit coming upon you, a virgin, the power of the Most High overshadowing you. Okay, God causes this. It makes it holy. That's why Jesus is the Son of God. So, that's the way... I just... I want to start a new trend in <laughs> biblical studies, all right? I'm going to, I'm submitting this to one group. Okay? <laughs> I want to escape, look at it therefore and find out what it's there for and go to find the proof when you see therefore. But write it out. When you see therefore in the Bible, write it out. Start with the point. Start with the truth, that the, the claim that they make and go back, write the points out. How is he making this? What is this proof? And build it. And, and you and you and you can see why that means when you so when whenever you see this somebody is making a case for a truth claim and you see a lot in the New Testament all over the place Paul uses it tons because he's smart yeah right and he says this and this and this therefore we just learned about it, we I read it in a passage I was in it on Easter right therefore talking about Christ being raised from the dead he just blows off all these points therefore right. God raised Jesus from the dead. That's how, that's how we know this, okay? So just just look for that. Whenever you see therefore, make that's yourself really make cool. the proof. There you go. I got my uh, my own syllogism. That's <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. That's John style word. Kent didn't want to put it I got the counter argument right here. This is why I like therefore bringing up Paul. I like saying what's therefore therefore. Because number one, it's funny, and people are like, wait, oh, I got it now. I like that. And then the other thing is that we, we kind of, we're kind of in, uh, we've kind of been, I don't know how to say this, we're coming out of a pragmatism area, or era, where, like, Frank, you were probably preaching in the time when everyone else was preaching you know, pragmatism. Here's how you could be a better you. Eight points to it. You never preached an eight-point sermon, did you? Eight points to be a better friend. But that, that's what people were preaching. I think it's more common now that gospel's coming back. There's the big resurgence. That's the big E on the I chart. So the resurgence is like everybody's bringing the gospel back, you know. 
um, as though it went away. We were preaching, this is how you be a better person. So they jump right to all the, um, you know, like Ephesians 4 and 5 or Colossians 3. They jump to the verses where it taught, where Paul's basically saying, this is how you should live. This is how you should do better. This is how you should get your life together. This is how your marriage will work. And um, they'll use those verses, but they wouldn't even preach. That, you know, they would never go through just verse by verse in the Bible. And that's why Calvary was like, whoa, people are just reading the Word of God and believing it. And starting way back here in the Gospel and talking about the Gospel first, they're not given, you know, the popular thing was to have teachings where you could better yourself, right? And Paul knows all what I'm talking about. But, um, the... Because he's fine. But when you read, therefore, at the beginning of Ephesians 4 and 5, you got to look, you say, what's therefore, therefore? And it takes you back to Ephesians 1 through 3. That's why I like it, but anyways. But that's Paul's big transition. He gives the whole, here's three chapters of the gospel, you know, which I could have just said in one sentence, but instead I give you three chapters and then therefore live this way. But anyways, it's the same thing anyways, I just like it. So in conclusion, <laughs> both of you guys agree that when you see the word therefore, you have to go backwards and find out yeah. what's the meaning of it, what's it saying, what's it proving, what's it proof. Because what it, like with Paul, he'll say therefore like in chapter 4 of Ephesians, and you've got to go to chapters 1, 2, and 3 to get it. Kent's version that he just brought out, this is the verses right before. Right. Okay. Sometimes the therefore points to the previous verse. Other times it points to the rest of the book. Sometimes it points back to the Old Testament. So yeah. when we're studying God's Word, it's all of it. Okay. You don't get to pick and choose the parts that you'd like. And sometimes you have to go read Song of Solomon. I mean, it just happened. To, that's what it is. All right. So which none of you that are not married are allowed to do. So um, now you're all. Now they're all going to go do it. Um, I'm just kidding, of course. All right, so here's where we're at now, guys. Uh, we're going to close in prayer in just a second. Um, and um, actually, first, everybody stand up for a sec, because you've been sitting for a long time. Kind of get a little shake out, right? And then um, I'm going to pray, and uh, we've got some more worship time, worship through singing to do. And so what we'll do is, uh, Paul's got, like, what, five songs, something like that? Um, we'll do a couple of them, and you guys are free to go whenever you feel like you need to go. Um, otherwise, I mean, we've been we've been going for a while, so um, if you need to leave, you're welcome to. Uh, Paul and the three of us will be here worshiping until we're done, and then we'll clean up and be out of here. So um, let's pray, and then you guys can have a seat. Worship. One, one last thing about worship, real quick. Uh, I I'm having a hard time actually not standing up when we worship. So I don't know if you guys can sit down, but um, I see you're standing now, so that's great. But. <laughs> If you're sitting behind Kent, he's standing. Is what he's saying. That's true. <laughs> but you know, like, what? How much can you? How much can you physically do as you express? As you express what God's done for you. Look at Elizabeth, right? She's holding these things. She's she's meditating on what, like, no one said what God has done for her. That's what that's what worship is. Responding, meditating, responding on what the good God has done for you, what He's ministered to your life. And when you ponder that and think about that, just in light of who God is and that He's got a personal message and application and desires for you and your life, I guess the question is, how can we not stand? How can you not lift your hands? You know, in, in, in that in that sign of, of, of surrender to that and what He wants to do for you. So, I'm not making you stand if you don't want to. I'm not making you raise your hands, but I'm just saying, think about it. Cool. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this evening, Lord. Lord, thank you for being a God that we can worship, Lord. Thank you for uh, giving us bodies and, and 
and uh, mouths and minds and hearts to do that, Lord. I pray that we would do it with every breath of every day. Lord, please 